0: One thing that I was very reminded of while Brian was talking, when I was a, a child, I knew God very closely inside. I had a very close relationship inside with God. But when I tried to share that with other people, whether it be my parents or somebody at Sunday school or, or at school, um, I never was able to really voice something in a way that they could understand what I was talking about. And it was very interesting because as he was talking, it reminded me of a Sunday school class that I went to. And the Sunday school teacher was, was sharing some things. And I thought she asked a question, but she, it, was, it was really making a statement. But I thought it came out as a question, and I raised my hand to answer it. <laughs> and she said something in the sense of about knowing God. So how is it that we can know God? Well, i thought she was asking a question how how can we know god so i raised my hand and she said what what do you, what what do you want and i said well i know the answer and, and she goes the answer to what and i said how how to know god she goes you know the answer to how to know god and i said yeah and i said she said well how do you how do you know god and i said you have to be really still and then in the stillness God reveals himself to you. And she looked at me like, what? Where, where did you come up with this? And so she said, well, we'll talk later about all that. And so she went on and made her talk, or, you know, that she wanted to make. And then after class, she asked me to stay. Well, my parent, my, my dad, because he picked me up from Sunday school, my dad was waiting for me in the car, and I wasn't coming out like I normally did. So He came in to find me to make sure, you know, what happened. And we were sitting there and talking, and she'd gotten engrossed in what I had to say about this whole thing about be still to know God. And uh, so as we were talking, she was starting to make notes about all this. And she said, Would you be willing to talk to some adults next Sunday about what you're sharing? I just want people to hear that out of a child the the voice of truth can be heard. And so I said, sure, you know, if they really want to hear it, because I had never had anybody really want to listen before. So uh, that next Sunday I came, and I remember my dad came. He wanted to find out what was going on and what I was saying, and he was standing at the back. And so the Sunday school teacher introduced how it was that I was going to share with them in this adult Sunday school class. And she said it all started with this statement that became a question that became a sharing. And so she made the statement that I had interpreted to be a question. And she said, now, Jim, I want you to come up here and share with them about how you know God and what is it that that God is to you. And so I just began to share my own experience that that i found god through being still and being quiet and just listening and listening for that that voice of god to come and talk to me and that if i could be still enough i could then hear god come in to my my presence and and i could be with god and learn and hear and grow and I remember looking around the room and everybody's kind of like, who is this kid and what is he talking about and how does he know this? Or, you know, you could just see their question and their doubt and whatever. And then I looked back and my dad had tears and he was just really crying because he had, I I had tried to voice it to him and to my mom over the years, but, you know, I, I don't think I ever got quite across to him. And so it was the first time... I saw him really react or respond to my sharing, and afterward we were in the car, and and bef- before that time and after that time he always called me weird, because I was weird. I mean I, <laughs> 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 I knew things that nobody else knew. Like when my uncle died, I knew, and I told my mom and dad that my uncle Bob had just died and. When my grandfather died, I told mom that uh, this angel had said, you know, to pray for him, but he was fine and that he had contact her later. And, you know, just all these different things. And then sure enough, a phone call came a couple hours later and this one was dead and this one had passed away. And, And so my dad always looked at me as weird because I knew these things before anybody else did. But when we were driving home uh, from the Sunday school class for these adults, uh, my father turned to me and he said, "I I may call you weird, but I appreciate you very much. And he said, I don't understand, and I may never understand what it is you're talking about, but people do want what you want, or I wouldn't have seen those people listening to you in class today. And he said, you know, it reminded me of something. It was reminding me of the time that we read to you out of the Bible about Jesus when he was born and in his childhood and how his parents at one point found him at the temple steps talking to the Sanhedrin. And uh, my father said, you know, I, I, I almost felt like I was witnessing that today when I was watching you share with these people. And uh, he said, I'll tell you something. Right after that, the uh, Sunday school teacher came up to me, the adult Sunday school teacher, and said, you can be very proud of him because he knows the truth. He shares from his knowing, not from what what we share. We share from a book. We share from these writings. We share from what we have been told by the minister, but we don't share from our experience like he's sharing. And uh, she said, she, my wife and dad said, he, she would like you to come back once a month and share here. Well, I didn't want to do that. That made me too nervous, and I became very self-conscious the moment I thought I was going to have to talk to adults all the time about this. And so I just said, no, no, thank you. I didn't want to do it. My dad said he, he would talk to her. And I never had to do it again. But it was it was very interesting to just witness that. And the thing that I knew back then and the thing I know now is that that God is ever present with us. God isn't out there and God isn't separated from us. And we aren't separated from God. God dwells right inside of us. God is us, our soul. And if we can begin to look to where the soul resides within us here at the seat of the soul and just be still, God will reveal God to you. God will come as the light. God will come as the sound. God will come and show and demonstrate and be present with you consciously if you give yourself the opportunity to have that happen. But it does mean sitting down, closing your eyes, going inside, and being still. Just as we've been told, be still and know that I am. It's to be still. So what is the stillness? That's the thing that confuses most people. I've talked to people in India, I've talked to people in Japan, I've talked to people here in the United States, I've talked to many people on many different pathways, and there's different ideas about this whole idea of stillness and what that means and how do you get there. Stillness to me is simply being focused, being focused on that which you want. And for me as a child, It was God. I wanted God in my life. I wanted to know God. And so my stillness was being still in a focused way, holding my attention on awakening or knowing God in some form. For other people, stillness is quieting the mind. Well, that is a form of stillness, but I wish you good luck. Because the mind doesn't get still very often. The mind is ever in motion, ever in activity, ever moving in its own nature. It is a continual wave of action. But there is a place in the mind where stillness can be found. Even David in the 23rd Psalms talks about that, that God took him Beside the still waters. Well, the still waters is the mind at the highest level of the mind realm. That's where the waters are still. That's where the mind is still. And you can reach that place inside of yourself and really experience a stillness, a calmness, a quiet. But it's in the mind. And the mind is still a part of the physical consciousness and the physical reality. It has nothing to do with the spirit or the soul or who you are as a divine being. But if we can begin to hold our focus beyond the physical elements of this creation, above the mind, even above that still point of a mind, and bring ourselves into the awareness of who we are as divine, as a child of God, as that spark. That resides right here, that feeds life to all these other parts of ourselves, then we can begin to move into what I feel was said in the Bible, be still and know that I am. And that's what I have often found. I found it as a child, and I ever practiced that in my childhood through my teens, of moving to this place of stillness inside. And at first, it can seem daunting to try to move to this place of stillness, unless you know the means by which to do that. It can seem like an uphill battle all the way. And it is an uphill journey, but it doesn't have to be a battle. But for a lot of people, it is a battle because you're ever confronting other things upon the journey. We have placed a lot of things between us and God. Our fears, our demands, our judgments, and so much more. And in order for us to truly journey to that place of stillness, we are going to have to handle, confront, deal, let go, whatever it might be. All those things that we've placed between us and God that dwells right here inside of us. Because at the physical level, the imaginational level, the emotional level, the mental level, we have placed a lot of things between us and the Lord that dwells right here. And we are going to have to go in and handle all those. We have to release them, we have to forgive them, we have to overcome them whatever it might be, I remember doing that very clearly, even at the age of six and seven, going in and dealing with the fears that I had about darkness and about all these different things that were just inside of me, my insecurities. And I remember very much having to bring those things to quiet, so that I could move on up beyond them. And so that's what we may find as we begin our own inner journey in meditation, is that we're going to have to meet those elements of ourself, and they really are ourself and they are our creation, that we're going to have to meet, to confront, to handle, to get free of them, and to open that passage once again where we can truly move freely on up into that spiritual part of ourselves, our soul, and begin to experience the divine, begin to be in the stillness. And it's very interesting. At the soul level is where the stillness really resides. The soul is ever at peace. The soul was created out of loving. And it was created in peace. And the soul dwells in the spiritual and soul realms of existence in a state of peace. And it is ever aware that it is God's creation and that it is the divine aspect of God loving in action. That's what the soul is, loving in action. God created us as loving in action. We are ever moving as loving beings at the soul level. Manifesting loving, sharing loving, being loving, and receiving loving. That's why the soul was created. God is a loving being. And loving wants to share itself with other loving beings. And so God created the soul so that God could share loving with soul and receive loving back from soul. And that's what we are created to do. And at the soul realm right now, even though you're seated right here listening to a talk, your soul at the soul level of your being is focused more on God that on this world and this experience, and is sharing in some form or other the loving with God right now, whether you know it or not. And it does that by being still, being still and being aware of that movement of loving, that river of loving, as Rumi calls it, of God's loving coming into the soul, nurturing it, and we sharing our loving with God in that nurturing action of God's loving inaction. The thing I found that I wanted as a child and that I've ever worked to maintain is I wanted to be aware of that. I wanted to know that. I wanted to live that consciously as much as I could because I felt alone, I felt separated I felt lost when I was not doing that. And so, as a child, no matter what I heard, no matter what I asked, no matter what the answers were from these adults, when I asked about God, I asked about spirit, I asked about loving, I knew that the only way for me to truly be fulfilled, to be in a, a happiness, a joy, was not to be getting words and definitions and expressions and hopefulness and and trust, but rather to have the ongoing experience of being able to look up and to know that this is who I am first. I am soul. And to look up and to know myself as soul and to know myself in the movement of that loving. And that's what we all are longing for, as far as I understand it, is that we're longing to know that. Who am I? Who am I really? And at another level in that question, there is that answer that you know. You know who you are. You know that you are loving. You know you are joyful. You know you are grateful. You know you are all these qualities that are the qualities of God that dwell in you, that is your soul. But these are the aspects and the truth of you. And it is for us to begin to know that and to live into that, not to doubt it, not to question it, not to fear it, and not to look outside of ourselves for confirmation or affirmation of who we are, but rather to look inside and to wake up to the knowing and to live that knowing and to be able to live it more and more each day. When you wake up and truly know that you are the loving of God, the living, loving essence of the Lord, a lot of things get answered very quickly. A lot of things just drop away as unimportant, as not a part of your life. And you begin to live a simpler life. You begin to live a joyful life. It doesn't mean that you're not going to deal with things in the world, that they're going to resolve themselves immediately. As long as you have a body, you're going to deal with the body. And you're going to deal with the elements of the physical world. And the physical world was created out of chaos. It's a separate creation. The spiritual universe was created out of loving, out of focused harmony, and out of ever-knowing presence. But this physical creation was created out of chaos. It's physical material in its nature, and it's chaotic in comparison to the spiritual creation. So while you're in a physical body, you're gonna deal with the chaos here. It just is that way. It is a finite experience. It's a finite journey. These bodies are finite. The things that we would like to keep in our physical lives, they're even finite. We have a dog, we have a cat, we have a bird, we have a fish, we love them. But they die very quickly, it seems. They have a beginning and an end with us. We have our relatives that are with us and we love them, and then they're gone. And we have our own life that is ever moving, changing, altering, until it itself comes to a physical end. But spirit is consistent. It is ever the same. It is ever present in the now, in this moment, that is God's moment, the eternal moment. And it's hard for the mind to understand that. It's hard for this world to comprehend that there is such a thing as an eternal moment that is God in expression. And yet, If we begin an inner journey, an inner walk as meditation of going inside and holding our focus above this world and above the mind and begin to hold our attention and awareness in a one-pointed focus to the seat of the soul and just be still and allow ourselves to come awake there, we can begin to know. We can begin to experience the truth of truths. We can know that divine element that is us. We can know that we truly are a child of God. We can know that we are loving and that we can choose into that loving at any given moment by just looking up. It's just there all the time. But we have been so habitualized to look down and out into the world for answers and solution out here and for the loving and the joy and the peace out here that we don't allow ourselves to look up and to pay attention and to see the truth that really lies inside. But once you begin to do that, And once you begin to see that inner light and to hear that inner voice or that inner sound that is God and begin to wake up into that, once you've done that, you're going to be looking up more than you're going to be looking down for understanding, for clarity, for answer, for loving, for joy, for peace, because you're going to realize that it's here and up into the realms of spirit that all that is true. And all that exists. And down here is but just a poor reflection. It looks like a wonderful place. And it is. But it's a reflection of a more wonderful place that we live in right now. In truth, we have gone asleep and we are living a great dream. And it's for us to wake up from that dream, to wake up and realize the truth once again. Rumi says it very clearly. The door is round, right here, the door is round, and the door is open. Walk through and enter in to that which is true. Wake up, wake up and don't go back to sleep. That's the journey, is to come up to the seat of the soul, go through that spiritual eye center, through that spiritual door, it's called the 10th door, it has a lot of different names, also called a window, and wake up to that which lies beyond. If we can but spend some time every day holding our focus, a simple focus on loving God and sharing our loving with God that dwells right here and that exists in all of creation, we can begin to understand what we maybe have not understood before. A simple truth. And that simple truth is the truth that we all have been longing for, searching for, maybe for many lifetimes. It's just up to us to spend some time every day, whether it be five minutes or five hours. I remember... When I was over in Dharamsala, I had been over there for several weeks because I was working on a project with uh, t- Tibetan monks over there having to do with two different projects, one with the orphanage and one with the uh, what you would call a pharmacy uh, on their miracle pills. And so I had several different uh, times where I got to be with the Dalai Lama and to sit and talk with him. And so... I asked him one day, I said, so how how long do you meditate every day? And he laughed and he looked at me and he says, a long time. And I said, well, well how long is a long time? Like a half hour? And he looked at me and he says, I wish. <laughs> and, and I said, well, how long is a long time? And he goes, I spend five hours at least a day in meditation. And I said, five hours? I said, Why five hours? How did you come up with five hours? He says, it takes me five hours to get to that place of peace inside of myself to where I can get up and confront my day. And I can live in the joy that I find in in my five hours. I can bring that joy and live that joy into whatever goes on. He said, I have seen my brothers and my sisters die fight for what they thought was right, and die. I have seen people suffer. I have seen people lose what they had had. And I have got to be the one who rises above all of that and to be able to be joyful even in this world so that other people can find that joy for themselves. And it takes me five hours or more a day to do that. And I will spend that five hours no matter what. Because if I don't do that, I can't do the day. And that was really powerful. That was a powerful moment and a powerful statement for me because I heard he knew that this was primary. This was a must for him. Because otherwise, he lived in the suffering that he saw in the world. He lived in the pain. And he couldn't serve the suffering. And he couldn't serve the pain if he himself was in it and caught up in it. He said he could only do what he was here to do if he could be in his joy. And to take that joy to others. He said, that's why I laugh all the time. I have to laugh to let people know that there's something to laugh at, to rise above this world. And that this, that I know above this world is a place of laughter, is a place of joy. So that's something that we might all want to pay attention to. Maybe you don't need to do five hours a day, and maybe you do. Maybe we all really do. But I would say spend time every day holding a focus inward and upward above the mind, above the world, above its chaos, and find that place of peace inside. Find that place of stillness. Be still and know that I am. Find that stillness and move into that which is I am inside of you. And find out for yourself, you may term it differently than I have. Maybe it won't be, quote, a spiritual interpretation, a spiritual experience, but it will be an experience beyond that which you maybe have lived up until that time to be in that quiet, to be in that stillness, to be in that peace. One time I was with someone at a university and he was questioning me about my inner practice and my inner journeys. And so he said, how would you describe that which you call your spiritual journey and your spiritual experience, and what is that place like, and how do you get there? And and I said, after thinking about it for a moment, I said, if you could follow the tick of a clock and be aware of every second of time, and then move in a moment between that second, one second to another, and slip through time into the timeless. I said, what would that be for you? And he looked at me and he says, you know what timeless is? I said, I know what timeless is, but what would that be for you? And he said, that's what I want. And I said, I think that's what all of us want. We want a moment of peace. We want a moment that is timeless, that is still, that is beyond this realm of time and space. And he said, I came here to judge you, and you've given me an answer that really holds up to what I know is true for me, what I'm searching for. He said, so now how do I do that? And I said, be still. Give yourself time every day, focusing inward and upward. And just allow yourself to share your loving with whatever the source is of life for you. Whatever you think is the highest element, share your loving with that. I said, for me, it's God. So I share my loving with God. And be open to receive, be open to receive God's loving, be open to receive that highest sources awareness, if you don't want to call it loving, and see what happens. And I said, you don't even have to believe it, just do it and see what happens. Well, I didn't talk to him for years. I mean, literally years passed by maybe 15, 18 years, and then one day, up in Michigan at the Fetzer Institute where I had helped to put this organization together, he was there for a conference of a group of professors that had come up from all these different universities around the United States. We had representatives of different departments and he was up there representing the chemistry department for the University of Texas. And he saw me and he came running up and he says, oh my God, I have been gonna call you so many times and never have. He said, for the longest time after I left you, I doubted you, I tried to make you wrong, I tried to push away what you had to say but it just kept bugging me. It kept following me no matter where I went. There was that, that knowing somehow that you had told me something that I needed to pay attention to, but I wouldn't. And he said, finally, I sat down and I began to do what you said. Even though I don't believe it, I didn't believe it, I started doing what you said. And I did it every day. And I did it 30 minutes every day, every day, every day, doubting it, questioning it, not believing in it, until one day I did it. He said, I know what you mean now, to be able to move between time, slip between those seconds and go into eternity. He said, I still don't know if there's God. I still don't know what that is, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's so wonderful. And he said, that's the only thing I can say about it. I'm looking to understand it more, but I know it's wonderful. And if if it's wonderful, it makes my day wonderful. And so I just go there for the wonderfulness of it. And I said, then you got it. Just allow yourself to go into more of that experience of it. And know that you can just look up And it's there no matter what. Whenever you want it, it's there. You don't have to sit down and close your eyes now. You've been there. You've done it. It's open to you. Allow yourself to know that. And that's what this meditation is about. It's about becoming the living meditation, the living prayer, the living awareness, so that You don't just do it in your meditation, but rather it's there for you to live all the time. And it's just a matter of looking up to that door, to that source by which you can move into it and it can move into you. And that's the beautiful part about this is that once you've moved into that and experienced it, you now can begin to bring it back down into your day, back down into your physicalness, It's not just there in that place up above you. It is now going to be in you and through you into all that you do. You become the living meditation. And he even said, I know what you're talking of, even though I don't know it that well yet, but I know that what you're saying is true. He said the only thing that he had a challenge with now is he didn't have words as of yet that he could really share it with others and not look crazy. And he was hoping one day that he would have enough experience in this that he could really talk about it and not look crazy. So that's my little talk. That's my little sharing about this journey, this inner journey of discovery, of waking up. And that's all it is to me, it's just waking up. <laughs> and then it's ever staying awake. And you'll go back to sleep. It just is inevitable because you'll get caught up in the world. And as you get caught up in the world, you lose sight of looking up. And the world is everything. And all you have to do then is wake back up again. And you will because you'll get tired of the pain and the separation. <clears throat> and so you'll do what you can to wake up. That's why meditating every day is a good way to remind yourself of what is this really all about. All right.